0: and welcome to Artwork, a conversation with creative people about the joys, the challenges and the mundane moments of living an artistic life. We're your hosts, I'm Poppy Rose and I'm Brie Robertson and our artist today is actor and singer Sam
1: Otto. Growing up surrounded by music and opportunities to perform on stage, Sam later decided to pursue acting because of the possibilities that the craft offers to research, learn new skills, be active and grow creatively. Sam studied at
0: Drama School London, but left his course early to perform in Richard Wilson's Fract at Chichester Festival Theatre. He then secured the lead role in Peter Kosminski's explosive drama, The State, which went on to receive a BAFTA nomination in the miniseries category.
1: Following the pre-release of The State, Sam was recognised as one of Screen Daily's stars of Tomorrow, and as it was airing, he was cast in the TNT and Netflix hit series Snowpiercer as the recurring character John Osweiler. In
0: this episode, we talk about finding your voice when working on a big studio TV production as a relative newcomer, maintaining a creative practice outside of the job, how Sam is navigating how to make the most of his colour and race when auditioning for roles without
1: being defined by it, and so much more. We loved meeting Sam and felt really honoured at how candidly he shared with us about his acting journey. Let's dive in. Welcome to Artwork, Sam. So nice to meet you and so Thank excited you. to hear your story. Um, we're going to jump straight in. Great. You're an actor, but your Instagram Apparently. is full of your amazing music videos. So oh. you've got this Yeah, you like had a look at that. A, yeah, <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> totally stalked the gram. Um,
2: yeah, it, was, it has to be done, doesn't it?
1: So where did your love for these two things kind of begin? Your love of acting and, and music?
2: Um to be honest i think uh the music came first i 'd say to be honest even though i 'm kind of as my official sort of status i 'm an actor yeah but um it, it i i think it came from church to be honest my family is like uh' I've always been church goers my my family's very sort of christian my my mum is actually a vicar and uh wow. so i'm we're just down the road from the church um where she works um but it meant i kind of grew up in church and that 's always you know the nature of church is sort of song and and music is a big part of it so I guess to be honest that's probably where it came from Um, because uh, yeah particularly because my family were also heavily involved with the music at church so like my mum would like play the guitar and sing my older brother played the piano Um, I started singing in church from like probably like 10 or something maybe yeah probably about that so that's got to be where you know it, it isn't itself a sort of stage really isn't it you're kind of in front of people yes. and it's like mm. a congregation it's actually an audience yeah. um and we would do little um sort of sketches and scenes and stuff sometimes as well so like at Christmas and stuff I remember my brother wrote a, a little sort of nativity scene when I must have been really young um wow. and we did like the wise men and stuff a little comedy sketch on that it was so funny <laughs> um and I did like this little one one man seen as like the innkeeper of the uh, the place where mary and jesus uh, sorry mary and joseph come to uh, give birth to jesus so when i was pretty young so that's got to be it you know i, yeah. I, I can kind of look mm-hmm. at it sort of uh, a bit more sort of objectively but that's really where it began i'd say um and then yeah it kind of grew from there yeah
1: why did you des- decide to study acting um and not music and is that a difficult thing for you to kind of balance your love of both of the art forms
2: um it's hard I mean I think the real well there's quite a few reasons to be fair I think the main one is really that I wanted to leave myself open to many possibilities because Mm -hmm. I felt because I was interested in musical theater for a while Mm -hmm. I used to I did a lot of sort of singing musical songs and stuff when I was younger and I did love that idea of like you know being on stage and singing and sort of letting out but um I felt that I would be sort of on one path if I did that yeah and I had I grew up with loads of kind of interests you know I, I used to uh, I remember Theo saying in his thing which made me laugh he said something about um every what is it middle class uh like mm-hmm. person grows Playing up doing tennis. a sport when yeah. they're younger
1: <laughs> so yeah. like
2: I did I, had, I, I did athletics I was like a runner when I was younger um, so <laughs> and I, that, I took that to kind of a fairly high degree as well so like that was something of myself which I I didn't want to just like lose you know I still wanted to have that sort of element of physicality, element of um athleticism or whatever. If I could find a way of using that in my life in the future I yeah. wanted it. And I felt that in acting there's still that possibility. You know, we're talking about like being able to move and dance or whatever is still part of that. Whereas music isn't necessarily um mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily involve that. Mm. And various other things, you know, I just I loved like reading and writing and, and uh researching and all that sort of thing. So acting feels felt like to me it was an open book. There was like mm. many things you could end up doing and music was a part of that. Whereas um music by itself didn't you know necessarily include those other things yeah. um but there's also the aspect that my older brother is a musician so I kind of you know wanted to like di- diversify a bit yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's a really good pianist and a, and a brilliant like singer and performer and he's a composer now so it's wow. like I think growing up I didn't you know that classic thing when you're a younger sibling that sense of not wanting to sort of copy your older sibling to be inspired by them but to do something different yeah mm. and so I think mm. that's what pushed me more into sort of the uh, The acting side the speaking side necessarily rather than singing or playing the piano and stuff but I still Mm. I still love those things but um that's what I remember saying when I was at drama school they asked me why I wanted to be an actor and I was kind of like oh because it's it's allowing myself to use all of myself Mm. rather than just like picking one part and chasing that it was like it left those things open Mm. so that's the dream really to be able to use everything yeah um so that's probably probably the answer as succinctly as I, as I can give it.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. Mm. That's really, really cool. Mm. And do you feel like it has been that for you?
2: Well, I think, yeah. I mean, I think there, def- there definitely is the sort of potential for it. And there has been a lot of that already, to be fair. You know, there has been music and there has been singing and there has been movement and there has been languages and there has been research and there has been meeting new people and there has been traveling and all that sort of thing. And it's mm-hmm. like, that's an amazing privilege to have the chance to do that. Um, and. That's the great thing about this job in this world is that even though it's obviously terrifying and there's like every chance it's just going to end any second, it has a kind of unlimited ceiling as well, mm. so it's like there's mm. you could literally be doing like you know I'm always inspired by or just so excited by the stories you hear about um actors who get to play these incredible roles or they get to learn stuff you know and they get to go play or like learn some com- like completely random thing they'd never have ever had the sort of time or you know headspace to learn yeah, if they yeah. hadn't have been learning it for the role. And that's the kind of real exciting thing about this job, I think, um, is that any day you could get thrust into like having to be like a, I don't know, learn to walk on a tightrope or something. I don't know, just something random.
1: So when you were studying um, acting, uh, you left the course early to do a theatre, a stage performance, right? Yeah. And then you got the lead role in the miniseries, The State. Um, yeah. What was that like? Was that your first like screen acting role that you received or had you been auditioning already?
2: I'd been auditioning. Yeah. Um, but it was you know, my first screen role for sure. Um, it was like, you know, it was an incredible like coup that for me coming out of drama school. Um, and also I would have to say it was probably the best thing I'd audition for as well, because, you know, like I said in my sort of spiel before um, about my my race and my look and all this sort of thing,
1: mm. there
2: was, I, I kind of came to understand pretty quickly that my, you know, the actual potential I had to play many of the roles I was auditioning for was pretty low. Um, and this was one of the roles I, I auditioned for. Where I was like, you know what, I actually could play this if they let me do it because I look right for it. and you know, um, yeah. There's not going to be any sort of discrimination about me, but. Having said that, there still was a little bit because they still had to prove I was like had the right bloodline and all this sort of thing, which was still annoying. Oh, wow. you consider it, but um, but yeah, it was an insane thing. Like the the audition process was like quite a few months, and they told me right at the start they thought I was too old anyway. So it was was always a you know an unexpected and it was unlikely to happen. So when it when they when I actually got the part, which was insane, I I, I didn't I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, because also yeah. Um, this was part of the thing that I was you know really dying to to do with this job with this career or whatever is to is to be a part of something that's like larger than yourself you know it's not, mm. not just about playing a, a part or entertaining or whatever which is you know, a beautiful part of what we do but when you have the opportunity and the privilege to do something that has actual sort of real world impact yeah. that's like amazing that's like gold dust isn't it so
0: yeah
2: um it was also sc- it was also scary as well you know this the whole thing is about Um, young British Muslims who go to Syria to join the Islamic State. It was set in 2015 when that was at its peak sort of thing. So Mm -hmm. it felt like something like cutting edge and political and contentious. It was going to cause arguments and cause um, sort of, you know, people Mm -hmm. were going to ruffle people's feathers a little bit until they actually got understood what it was trying to do, which was to hold a mirror up to society and and sort of tell a story that was going to educate people so we can understand, Mm -hmm. so we can better prepare and everything else. But yeah, it was... It was an amazing thing to, to have been given that as sort of such an early stage. I really couldn't believe it. Yeah. Um, mm,
1: that and is really, yeah. yeah. Yes. yeah. And I, the that director, must have been so crazy.
2: Yeah, it was insane. Like, you know, Peter Kosminsky, <laughs> the director as well, he has this incredible um, history of work, which is like, has always been very political and has always mm-hmm. been sort of really amazingly put together and re- amazingly researched and performed amazingly. So again, to be a part of that sort of family and history, yeah. I was like, so felt so blessed. Um, but yeah. also I felt this responsibility and I was like oh man mm. I'm like following the yeah. footsteps of some like amazing storytelling and political sort of essentially almost non-fiction but fiction so I was like okay and in fact he, he actually rang me and I think he said to me something like I'm not the sort of director that's gonna crack the whip um I'm not the sort of director that's gonna like tell you off or anything he was like I just expect that on day one of the shoot you'll be prepared and so I was like because wow. okay. <laughs> i had to like speak a lot of arabic as well which i had never spoken before so i had to like learn that and mm-hmm. i had to obviously i spent they gave us a good bit of time so we had, like three months before we started the shoot to i went to you know I, I went to like mosques and stuff i spent a lot of time with with some muslims in london to like learn loads about it um yeah. and the prayers and everything and the meals and stuff but still i felt this huge responsibility but That's equally awesome. what what a privilege you know I i felt yeah. so privileged to have that um opportunity um so yeah it really was it was a very amazing thing and I'm still I'm, I, when I talk about us I'm still always like yeah it was incredible
1: that first day that you arrived on set what how were you feeling did you feel ready
2: I was honestly terrified like it, I, even though <laughs> I'm yeah,
1: to imagine I, I was genuinely
2: so I don't ever been that nervous like I was because for the auditions obviously I was one level of nervousness but because I'd had long a long time to prepare I was like I was really ready it was like in my body I was ready to do it um, but for the shoot itself, because I've never been in front of a camera before except at drama school when it was just like, you know, wrestling, whatever, rehearsing, yeah. um, on set, like it was, it was really terrifying, but again, the director, bless him, Peter, he was such a legend because he had planned it knowing that we would be nervous. So what he did was the very first day, there was no talking at all. We just had to like walk into a room and sit down and be like looking around or whatever. Um, but still I was, honestly, I was so nervous. Um, I was just, all I did was walk. And then sit down. And I couldn't feel my legs. I was literally like, you oh know, walking, like, what's going on? And the camera guy was just following me. But when I watch it back, you can't see the nerves. But I was really, genuinely like really nervous. But it's great because after the first day, it was like, right, first day's done. Now I can just relax. And the second day was yeah. one of the most uh, intense parts of the whole show. So that meant, you know, you get that out of the way. Once that's out of the way, then the rest is easy. So it, yeah. it became really pleasant and easy, even though it was obviously really intense subject matter. But it became sort of bearable and pleasant, you know, after the second mm. day, I think. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I was terrified Amazing. to start.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of my questions was like, how did you deal with like the heaviness of of the content of that show? Like, yeah. As as you as a person, like coming coming home at the end of the day, are you able to like switch off from from work and just you know get back to? Yeah to being Sam.
2: Well that was again part of the um again the challenge of it I guess but because we knew what it was going to be we had all this preparation and all this sort of mm. stuff about we even had like media training and stuff to deal with trolls and that sort of thing. Um yeah. it was it was like uh, yeah an awareness of this heaviness over the story. So when we were doing it doing the scenes that was all there. But because we had this really, yeah, like with Ryan and with everybody else on the show, we had this really great camaraderie because also we were staying, all of us stayed in the same place. All of us stayed there for the whole time. So like, no, I don't think anybody really left apart from maybe a couple of times, but it meant that we were kind of this big, big group. And because they shot it also, the stories in the, in the show are basically the, the women's side of the story and the men's side of the story. So it meant that like all the guys were either on the set or they were all back at the hotel and the same with the girls which is a shame because mm-hmm. it would have been great to spend more time with the girls. But what it did mean was that we had this kind of group of lads that was just sort of, either we were like working and we were like seriously trying to tell this really intense story, or we were just having a great time off set. And mm-hmm. that was really important because it meant that we were able to just let it all go. As soon as we got mm-hmm. off set, it was like, right, let's just have a great time, go to the beach or whatever. And we used to get um, a pina colada and a waffle with ice cream <laughs> by the by the <laughs> sea. In that uh, we, we, we shot it in South uh, Spain in Almeria. So um, yeah. it was really cool down there to just go and like go swimming and, yeah. just hang out and play we played football and basketball and that sort of thing um and that meant we were keeping things light so we didn't get too bogged down yeah. in those things yeah and also obviously it's that classic thing isn't it when you're when you're doing a show and you're using cameras and everything it's you're on set and it's still it doesn't because it's so set it, obviously you, you see the camera you see the actors you see the sort of whatever um the, the the set dressing and stuff you have that distance um so it feels like you know you don't feel like you're in the thing mm-hmm. you, still, you feel like you're sort of shining a light on it but when yeah. we actually watched it, that's when it was really—it was probably more impacting when we watched it because then you realise the story you're telling and that's mm. the thing of it. And with the music and with the everything, it was like, wow! It was—I think a lot of us cried when we watched it. Mm. But actually doing it, it wasn't—it didn't feel that way. We managed yeah. to keep that distance. Yeah.
1: Do you choose what auditions you go to based on like the content of the stories, or? characters that excite you or um are you still do you just jump in and go like I'll try everything and just see what what falls in my hand kind of a thing
2: well I think it's kind of obviously you want to be um you want to be able to have that choice you want to be able to be sort of specific about the stories you're telling and the sort of portfolio you're creating whatever but again, that's a privileged position to be in, isn't it? You can't, when you're still working to, mm. to get up there, you can't really be too picky, otherwise you end up doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, great. 20 years later, oh man, what did I do? Because you know that's that, that's that thing, again, it's about it's still a career, isn't it? It's still a, it's still a yeah. job and you still have to sort of be savvy about where you're putting your time and where you're, you know, if you're maybe doing something that you don't necessarily want to do so much, but it will open up doors and in another way, then that's the sort of the challenge isn't it um and I'm lucky you know I have agent and uh yeah, agents who can help me or who are who are finding things that they think are, are good for me to read for or whatever but I'm st- yeah. I'm still certainly not at the stage now where I'm like I'm sorry I'm not going to do that like, <laughs> that's that's too that's like below me no um I wouldn't be like that but having said that there's a couple of things mainly when it comes to race to be honest those are the things mm. that I would be more picky about because mm-hmm. I don't want to end up being sort of pigeonholed, you know, that's, that's the challenge as well, especially when you have a kind of a a bracket. Um, so there was, I think a few years ago, just after I did the state where I had a straight offer for a show on BBC, but I was like, I think it's best if I don't do it, because again, it was still tied into like radical Islam and stuff like that. And I didn't want to be sort of telling that sort of being that thing again. Um, it's important to tell those, those stories, but I didn't think it was being handled in the best, in the best way. Mm-hmm. And for me at that time, I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that again, you know? So those are the things I would be perhaps a bit more picky about.
1: Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Cause you mentioned that in your email, like that you're like, kind of navigating uh, this world. Yeah.
2: Um, there's been, I mean, to be honest, it's like, it, it's been a kind of journey for myself in that way you know when i was younger honestly i don't think i was really too aware of my my race or my look you know i was just a person in the world um Mm -hmm. i had a few few instances of racism when i was younger but i I was more predominantly sort of proud and that i felt i was a bit different to people um yeah because i grew up in a very white area so i was kind of like the token brown kid (laughs) but i'm also mixed i'm dad's white so it's like i kind of i fit into white communities and friends friendships easily because i that's how i grew up essentially i grew up um, as an English person, and so I relate to everyone around me, and he was also English. But as I grew older, I became more aware that actually some people saw me differently and When I became an actor and started acting, then I suddenly realized that the world, or at least the industry is going to see me solely as brown rather than an english person and that 's kind of how what I had to um, navigate it when I came out of drama school like when I did my showcase at drama school, it was about you know finding a piece that was going to be amplifying my my look my race um and it's funny because my showcase piece was about was classically about uh the taliban or something i think it was about a, a kid who finds himself in afghanistan and it's like there's a british army officer and and he, he who thinks he's part of the taliban so it was about again classically it's about the narr- post 9-11 narrative of of uh, brown people being sort of terrorists or being whatever but, yeah, in the middle east and stuff so but still it was a kind of unfortunate but if i wanted to tap into what people are going to see me as then i was kind of i had to do that basically at that stage and i had another piece that was like a separate to that so i kind of was able to show both sides but that is probably what got me in the room and what ended up getting me the part for the state and so but then that opened doors of its own which were were perhaps outside of of that thing so that's what i mean by saying it's a positive and a negative thing it gives you something which is setting you apart even though it's a very specific niche but the the key and the sort of the um the opportunity there is to take that exposure and, and, and be able to somehow transform it into more opportunities outside of that. Um, but then again, it's also a privilege to be able to tell those stories. So it's, that's what I mean. It's kind of a, it's a bit of both. Um, and yeah, over the past few years, I've found, I have kind of become a little bit jaded about it because I have found so frequently that opportunities are limited to me because of that, you know, even if it's not explicit, I can feel it. Actors of color, I'd say would have to do things that, White actors wouldn't have to do, especially in auditions. Like I said, you have to prove your your blood or pr- prove your history or prove I have a, a grandfather from so and so or whatever. Prove I have like twenty percent blood from this place just so I can convincingly be like Middle Eastern. Even though if you were white, you'd never be asked to challenge. You'd never be challenged mm-hmm. to prove you're Irish or something. Um, and that's annoying because then you become this. We we, live, we come come from this place of whitewashing or whatever to a period of ultra authenticity, and there's kind of this middle ground which means you relegate a lot of people um either you take well in the past you might have just been saying this actor is famous or, or perfect or whatever so that they have an, they have an audience so they can play whatever part even if it's not their skin color but now it's like we need to we need the person who's actually from that place to play the part um obviously mm-hmm. there are there's flexibility in in that zone but those are the things that i've i've found annoying over the past few years Is it's like just if i'm not absolutely like specific to a region then i can't do it and obviously I'm not going to, I'm not going to be playing white roles. So then where does that leave me? And that's, that's been frustrating. And then I'm like, well, maybe I shouldn't yeah. be an actor. Maybe I just don't have a place. So I'm mixed race. Maybe that's, maybe it's because I'm not, I'm not authentic enough. Therefore I can't tell those, those stories that people would think of me as, but that's something I, I kind of <laughs> flirted with that sort of idea a few times. And something happened to me last year, which I found really frustrating, which was basically there was this BBC show, which I was auditioning for and I went through all the rounds of it. And, um, I discovered in the final round, they sent through the, um, the, like, uh, the scripts, the full scripts. And all I'd known prior was this, like the character's first name. It, it turned out that the character's surname was like of Southeastern Asian or, or Eastern Asian. And I'm like, well, I've done this. I spent so much time on research and learning the lines and delivering the performances for like two or three rounds of auditions. And now I've discovered that I shouldn't be auditioning for this part because it's not me and ultimately mm. what they've done is they've put everyone in that sort of BAME category you know or oh, everyone who's who's just sort of non-white can go in one category we'll audition them all even though we, mm. we probably do want one type but what that does is it means you, you put these people in, and I was one of them in this occasion putting them through weeks and months of prep and research and and whatever when you're never going to give them the role in the, in the first place and so I got mm. you know I got all the way through and then right at the end my agent calls me up and she's like yeah so they loved you and all this stuff you know blah blah, blah that they would love you to do it but um, they really want someone of uh, of Eastern Asian descent to play the part. And I'm like, well, again, because obviously it's like, that's important and that should happen. And then all, all I have to do is, is go like, well, that's, yeah, that's important then. So that's fine. But mm-hmm. where, I, where I'm where i standing after that is saying, well, why did you audition me? And that's going to happen for loads of people. It's like, why did you bother yeah. going through that whole process of seeing these people? If at the end of the day, you're going to go, well, we actually we weren't ever going to cast you anyway. Um, yeah. So that left me feeling a little bit annoyed, you know, um, just that sense of, kind of being put in a category with all of us who are just sort of feeling the same way. We're all going to be in one category. We're all looking at each other like, well, we're not the same, but so, um, that's something that I've had to kind of come to terms with as well. It's something that like, you know, when, when the black lives matter movement happened last year, that kind of started to open a lot of sort of began a lot of these conversations about race, how we see each other, how and how systemic racism has kind of informed how we are all, you know, geared to think, not just, Mm white people but everybody myself yeah. um, other other people of color as well those inbuilt biases which are just there and so um yeah and that's part again that's part of my challenge and part of the challenge of anyone who's well everyone has their own challenges obviously in, in this career and in every career but that's something I've had to kind of come to terms with I'm going to be dealing with as I go forwards um mm-hmm. so yeah it's been a kind of like I said a double-edged sword I've had immense privilege because of my look but also it has been a a thing that's that's definitely held like held back opportunity I'd say. But you know, hopefully I'll look back in years to come and be like, those that was the challenge that has got me to where I am now. But mm, we'll yeah. we'll see what happens. But um yeah, it's uh yeah. it's a journey, isn't it? And so, you know, like I said, it's a privilege and it's a and it's a sort of barrier. yeah.
1: Mm. Thanks for sharing that with us. I think yeah. that's a really important conversation to have.
2: Yeah, it's it is you know? interesting. I'm sure everybody has a different tale as well. It's it's obviously very different for everybody but ultimately I think the main thing is just to find the positives and use them to your advantage rather than being
1: Mm.
2: sort of weighed down I mean it's it's, it's very easy to do I've certainly felt that myself being like like I said jaded and feel like like weighed down by the sense of it's being sort of held back or whatever but you know the only way to make to change that is to break out of it so gotta be positive
1: has it affected you um personally with your own identity or has it really just kind of been a separate like professional struggle that you've been able to separate from like who you are personally?
2: I think it has affected me personally. Yeah, for sure. Like I, like I said to you, I I would, I never even considered, I mean, to be fair, it's also the world we live in now. So I don't know if that was obviously those things have become clearer as time has moved on as well. So when I was a kid or whatever in like the early two thousands, I wouldn't, well, I think that even the world was necessarily as, I mean, I think racism was obviously probably was much worse than it was now, but I don't think the general awareness of these things was, mm. was as much out there as it is now. Mm. But, you know, so it might be that way, but even so, yeah, for sure. I've certainly, since I started acting, because obviously you're, you know, the stuff you get sent as a, to audition for the stuff that, um, you're sort of seen as, um, that starts to inform your own identity about who you, well, about what the world sees you as and therefore about how you see yourself as well. Um, so it's a weird thing. It's like my own identity is kind of in there and then the world, the way the world sees me is quite different to that. So it's been like something I've had to sort of look at and challenge over the past few years. But one thing I will say actually as well, though, I've, as part of the job I've been doing over the past few years, um, this show Snowpiercer, which is filmed in Vancouver in Canada. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know whether this is the case for most people but for me personally I felt a big difference to how I'm generally perceived in Vancouver than I'm, how I'm perceived in England which is interesting wow. because in, in mm-hmm. Vancouver I'm perceived as English whereas in mm-hmm. England I'm perceived yeah. as brown mm-hmm. and so it's like mm-hmm. I'm essentially I essentially feel more accepted in a different country um to some yeah. degree you know wow. um because with my friends and stuff it's always been part of the joke part of the sort of banter there's, there's always that element that level of it and I remember when I was in uh in vancouver but also because there's actually a lot of mixed race people there and mm-hmm. from from asia from south asia and eastern asia there's a big indian population big chinese and japanese and stuff and because those generations began or came over a few generations ago it means there's a lot of mixed race people there now so actually i kind of just fit in i just look like most people yeah. um so that's interesting i remember speaking to one woman once who was we were in a car she was driving me to set or something and i remember saying some things about this to her and she was like that's funny because i didn't even i didn't even think about that i just I just thought of you as, you know, just another person. I didn't even, didn't clock, didn't sort of consider that you were like of another race or anything. Didn't even Mm. consider that. So I was like, wow. see that's, I don't think that would be the case here at all. But um, Mm. I don't know. It's an interesting question, but that's maybe just partly, maybe just my own sense of self in this country or whatever. Maybe I've I've always felt a slight sense of not belonging here uh, Mm. because of growing up in predominantly West, uh, sorry, white white, uh, communities. So Mm. there is that as well. I don't know, but I do feel, oh. I feel English when I'm in Canada or British at least. I'm like, oh my God, you're British. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Whereas, <laughs> say
1: that. Can you say bottle?
2: <laughs> yeah. Bottle. <laughs> bottle. <laughs> bottle. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, so cute. I love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's been like an interesting thing for me that, um, mm. to kind of acknowledge that sense. But
1: yeah, yeah, that's all yeah. it is really.
2: It's interesting. But I do think my identity, my identity has certainly sort of been challenged by that over the past like decade.
1: Yeah. Wow, yeah. that, that's yeah. a really yeah. um, amazing insight. Thank yeah. you so much. Definitely. Um, You've just brought up Snowpiercer. Yes. We yeah. should probably talk about it. Conveniently segue <laughs> I know, love it. Very convenient segue. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, what was the process of auditioning for Snowpiercer? How did this all come about? It's
2: so funny because the audition process for that was like minute in comparison to the state. And even though it's a way bigger (laughs) show in terms of money, in terms of exposure and everything, it took like, I think it was, it was crazy. I think I did, I did one tape and then the next day I did another tape. And then I think the next day they were shortlisting me for the part. And then I got the part like a less than a week later. And I was in Canada shooting the pilot like two weeks later. So it was crazy. I think it was less than a month from doing the first like tape to actually being there. Maybe it was a bit longer than that, but still it was like, it was crazy, especially since I'd come from doing the, the the state, which was like five months of auditioning, three months of yeah, preparation, yeah. and doing this like intense job. I was like, "Wait, what? I've got to like do my <laughs> learn my lines in like a week." Um, oh my god! Um, but it yes, but it was mad. It was like you know, I was flying. I'd never been to uh, um, I think I've ever been to North America before. No, I hadn't. I don't think I'd been wow. to North America at all, either America or Canada. Um, and I was flying to Vancouver to shoot this pilot for six weeks. It was like such a thrill. I was, it was amazing. I felt like it was like, this is mad. What's what's (laughs) my life? What's, what's happening? Um, and I got to stay in a hotel in the city and like get taken to set each day. It was like, oh, it's mad, but, um, it was great. But the whole process of that was insane as well, because I don't know if you knew much, know much about it, but after the, after the pilot, the whole show like completely changed. We got like, we finished the pilot in. Uh, no no october 2017 and then yeah. in january 2018 they greenlit the show for a whole season but mm-hmm. they like the network fired the director they fired the showrunner and the designer oh God. and they fired various actors as well and they basically redesigned the whole thing so like they scrapped sets they rewrote everything they changed characters they got new characters in and then we didn't start shooting it until September of 2018. So it was basically an entire year after mm-hmm. we shot the pilot.
1: Wow. Um,
2: and then everything had changed. So I was playing a completely different character. And um, so the whole process was, was very, very weird. It was like this kind of immediate rush from zero to hundred miles an hour in like the space yeah. of one second. And then it was like a year of waiting, <laughs> not knowing what's oh going to happen. Yeah. And then everything had changed. So it was a roller coaster for sure. And then it only came out in 2020. We I got the yeah, part in 2017, yeah, yeah. and it came out that's, three years later.
1: That's wow. so wild to me because, like, the only acting that I have done has been within theater, and so like you're there when it happens, yeah. and the people are there. Mm. I cannot imagine like working on a project for so. Well, I guess I guess songs are kind of similar to this. You write and record a song, mm. and then it doesn't come out till later. Mm. But like that, that's such a long process. Uh, yeah, it's insane. You, like, whoa, Especially given I mean, that it took me,
2: like, two weeks to get the thing. And then I was waiting yeah, for, like, two year yeah. three years for it to come out. Because yeah.
1: also for you as an actor, like, you – I guess, you, like, you, you really want these things to come out so that you can start to, like
2: – Yeah, you know, exactly. Maybe
1: book other jobs. Yeah. And so I, what do you do yeah. in the interim time? Well, that's the
2: thing. I mean, that's partly why this whole – the whole experience with Snowpiercer has been kind of frustrating for me. I mean, obviously, it's been an amazing thing to have been a part of. I can, you know, the scale of it is unreal. But, mm. like – one thing I I didn't mention this, but when I when when I was like shortlisted, because what when you get shortlisted, and if you know, but you have to basically sign the contract. And you have to, even though they're shortlisting like five people, they have to get everybody to sign the contracts, which are six years yeah. of commitment for six Whoa. potential seasons. And so they're like, if if we option it, you have to come back. And so all I'd read was a pilot script, which ended up not even existing. All you have read is a pilot script, and you got like two days to decide whether you want to commit to six years of working halfway across the world for six months of the year.
0: I'm getting like, like stress sweats, just thinking about
2: yeah. that. <laughs> and um, Especially I was in this phase of sort of, I'd done that, done the state and it was really sort of um impactful. And I was like, well, this is an exciting time to sort of try and ride that wave. And I was like, I don't know if I want to just commit to something and go halfway across the world, leave the UK. And like, and also the p- part I was playing in it was like, it wasn't that big. It wasn't a huge part. It had like potential. Well, at least what's what we thought. It had like a big potential to grow into something. And in the pilot episode, that I'd read it was quite he was quite involved so I was like okay well that's mm. if you're going to include him a lot in the pilot it means he's probably got a story going forwards mm. so it was a commitment that was based in kind of sort of um it was a bit of a, a gamble to an extent but you're kind of investing mm. in the sort of hope that it will be something really great and the the like people on it were really great I had some great ac- people in it um some great actors in it and my agents and stuff were really kind of excited about it but I actually turned it down initially I didn't want to I, I, I came to the decision that I wouldn't do it
1: because Whoa.
2: I wasn't ready to commit to six years of yeah. being halfway across the world. I actually spoke to Theo about it because I was living with him at the time.
1: Mm. And I was like, mate, I don't know
2: how, like, obviously this is an immense opportunity and I would feel kind of, it feels kind of weird to say no or to pass in it. And who am I to even do that? But equally, do I really want to, am I ready to say I'm going to commit to something for six, potentially six years that I don't really even know much about. And I felt ultimately I felt like I wasn't. And so what, I ended up doing was speaking to agents and stuff and they ended up having this kind of deal, which was about like exclusivity and stuff. Cause originally it was like, it was completely like owning you. It was like, you wouldn't, wasn't able to do anything outside of it. Oh, anything God. that included like American money, anything that included more than like a certain amount of time of shoot, or whatever you just couldn't do. Wow. And so basically the kind of, the deal was if you can remove that and create space and enable, if I was able to do like other stuff with, with American money and like British stuff or whatever, then it was okay. And they managed to like cut that deal. So eventually I was like, okay, well, I should, I should do it then. Cause I'm still free to do other things. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and ultimately that was once that decision was made and then I ended up getting the thing that set me on a path that was going to take me through to now basically, which is kind of yeah. mad. When I think about it, but yeah, it, but it meant that I, I had lots of frustrating experiences over the following few years, particularly that first year, you know, I was mm. only there for a few weeks doing it. And after that, they just owned you, mm. owned me and um and then they changed it as well so it was like everything changed i was playing a different character i was playing a character i hadn't auditioned for and again like mm-hmm. i said part of the investment part of the agreement was that was because of what the pilot was and the pilot changed mm-hmm. so there was, there was like yeah. a completely new story the sets yeah. changed new characters were brought in so it actually ended up being a far smaller character than it uh, had mm-hmm. initially had been in the pilot I and mean, that's just part of the nature of these massive tv shows and also you're just on a yeah. small small element in a massive machine yeah. um And it was still an amazing thing to be a part of Um, when I finally we got back to doing season one. Mm. I was so thrilled to get back and do it, but it meant that that whole year basically was kind of frustrating. I didn't really do much. Um, I think I did like a couple of small things, but I was finding it like I couldn't really be seen for many things. And like a couple of really cool things I was hoping to like be at least sort of considered for were like oh but you might be going back to shoot the show so you can't even be considered mm-hmm. because also that was annoying because they like I said they picked it up in January and then initially it was like right we're going to be back shooting it in March so like, okay right. well, that's fine two months whatever three months yeah, yeah. but then it was like, actually no it's May oh actually no it's June oh, actually no, it's gonna be July oh. so then we didn't and we didn't get back till September oh, so it was okay. like oh my so by God. the time I got there I was like completely skint I think I was in oh. debt as well and I was like <laughs> I was like I need to get my first Paycheck, so I can actually yeah. live. It was so weird. Yeah. I was like in this uh, kind of glamorous lifestyle, shooting this part, this this full season of this exciting show, but I was like mm-hmm. the poorest I'd ever been.
1: In your email, you also mentioned like kind of being a relative newcomer in a major project where you know. Yeah, where maybe your voice is not necessarily very important in that creative process and how you kind of navigate like having a voice and having your your finding your place in such a massive project yeah uh, where I'm sure you're kind of like fighting for that
2: yeah well that's a lot yeah that's partly what I kind of touched on before was that you know once you're involved with something like that they do have the right and the freedom to just dramatically change everything and that's what happened yeah. you know like i said yeah. it was exciting because initially it was like right this is a, an amazing big show and i've got quite a, big, quite a decent role in it um but then obviously like i said they have the power to go um oh, now we're going to change everything so actually now we're mm-hmm. going to change your part we're going to make you very different maybe less sort of sympathetic and um more to the fringes of the story and uh, we're going to bring in loads of new actors as well who are for the most mm-hmm. part much more kind of established in their careers and so therefore have sort of um contract uh, demands that are going to be much greater than than maybe what i was even able to kind of ask for um so inevitably what kind of happened then is that you just sort of well yeah i felt uh kind of just sort of removed a little bit as i think many people did to be honest because they the cast got much bigger after the initial mm-hmm. thing so again part of the promise of of signing up for a show when you're a regular in a new show is that you understand your position it's like there's a few few regulars and you're a part one of them and therefore it's like okay i've got a decent i'm gonna have a decent role because there's only a few of us but then they brought in like a lot of people um and because our co- initial contracts were already established it meant that there was no flexibility you couldn't ask for changes because they're already there mm-hmm. and you'd signed on the lot mm-hmm. on the dotted line so i did feel that when people came in it was like once you're once the network and the producer and whatever are signing new contracts it means those people are signing contracts based on all the contracts that have already been signed so they can be like i want i I need this i need this i need this amount of exposure and then the people writing the the, the show run and the writers are going to have to make sure those actors and characters get enough to satisfy their contracts at the expense of the people that have already been involved for a while Mm -hmm. so that's what i kind of felt again i felt Mm -hmm. pretty disposable Mm -hmm. um and i think i think other people felt that way as well um and throughout the process um the past four years whatever there has been a level of like having to understand that I do actually have a voice and I'm able to sort of say to reach out at times and be like yo what's what's going on I've come from all the way from the UK I'm not just sort of twiddling my thumbs I really want to be doing the job I'm not just sort of like living my life out here I'm, I'm literally here to do the job I haven't got a life mm-hmm. here um and therefore can you can you give me anything what's going on rather than just sort of sitting quietly and being like you know I'm just gonna do what I'm told um which is perhaps yeah. how I felt at the beginning so actually and actually for the most part you know the people on this show have been like pretty like uh, receptive I'd say for the most part in, in listening and uh, the showrunner Graham he um, he actually saw my singing stuff on Instagram <laughs> which is why he ended up wanting to put it in, in uh, wanting to put it in the show
0: yeah I wanted to ask you uh, yeah that, which yeah. was
2: kind of which was kind of um, interesting and I like, didn't know how i felt about it to start with but whatever you know it was a chance to just sort of share that in in this but mm. it's yeah it's been a kind of journey that to sort of work out what i'm allowed to or, or even what how much how willing i am to sort of step out a bit mm. um and i do think you know once you're sort of in something like that you have a voice no matter what and that's kind of what i would say if people ask me you yeah. always have a voice and ultimately mm. with big network things like that or whatever producing stuff they're just going to be finding trying to find the easiest way to navigate a lot of personalities. And therefore if you're quiet, they'll just be like, right, that person's quiet that we can just leave them. So ultimately you had, like I discovered I I had to be a little bit more bullish and be a little bit more like not going to take any sort of bullshit, you know?
1: Yeah. Cause I think a lot of, a lot of people, um, you know, in, in, well, in all walks of life and in all spheres, um, you know, have the fear if I do stand up and I do kind of like put my thoughts out there, I'm gonna I'm gonna be removed. Like I'm I don't want to cause a distraction. Otherwise, I'm gonna get kicked off or something. Yeah. And I think especially in a career that's so like fragile as like acting or in the creative arts, it's like there's just like no room to lose a job. You know, yeah, I've got to exactly. got to do whatever needs to be done to stay and and hold on and like keep going. So, yeah, I think that's a really important point um, that it is still important to speak up.
2: Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? It's about just saying how you feel and ultimately acting on it rather than feeling too sort of... It's very Mm -hmm. easy to do that, obviously, with these... They have a lot of so much power. You feel kind of powerless Mm -hmm. unless you bring in a huge, smart status. And, you know, the bigger actors are bringing so much status and fans themselves. They can kind of do what they want, do what they want. But when you're still kind of trying to establish that, you kind of have to be a little bit more savvy about it, not try and piss anyone off, but also try and say how you feel and sort of know when to be quiet, almost know when to stand up.
1: And it yeah. takes a little
2: bit of sort of experience, I think, to, to find that balance.
1: Have you been able to have like a bit of power and control in in the creation of your character and the way that you perform? Or is that also quite like dictated to you in this kind of big project?
2: I actually think we've had a lot of kind of freedom with that, which has been great. Um, again, led from the top. So like David Diggs, who's like the sort of main character in this show, he's yeah. very much like, yeah, if I don't like or if I don't think their words work, I'll just change it. <laughs> and so wow. that's like, and I think also they said, I mean, the first, the show run, sorry, the producing director changed after season one, but one of the first things he said to us was like, these are your characters. Do, do with them what you want. And, uh, and then we can like bring us, bring us wow. to life. Um, and the same with the new producing director, Christoph is an absolute legend, such a great guy. And so he really sort of, uh, sort of facilitates creativity and sort of, um, mm. you know, creation. So there's some great people on that show for sure. And it's like enabled mm-hmm. us to make the most, I'd say of what, of what is there, of what is there. So, um, yeah. And I've had, uh, like also, well, to be fair, the, char- the character I'm playing has, has changed quite a lot throughout the show. Um, and so I have had a bit of a kind of sense of a confusion sometimes about how I'm supposed to play it because like, I don't know if you've seen the show, but in the season, the first season, he's like basically a kind of like a hothead, a bit of an idiot and a bit of like a, kind of like he's a bit maybe a bit stupid and a bit mm-hmm. sort of like clearly a bit of a bonehead um and sort of like abuses people and just sort of like punch beats people up and it's just like yeah whatever don't care um and then obviously moving forward they expose a bit of heart but then suddenly he turns up at the end of season two and starts playing the piano <laughs> and <laughs> i was kind of like i was like how 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 is that going to make any like any sense but ultimately it doesn't really matter it's just about you know people who are watching it and engaging in it if they can buy it and believe it that's all that matters yeah. but um yeah I had I had plenty of sort of uh freedom to to make offerings and to uh the voice and the the, the sort of movement and the backstory those sort of things were were kind of up to me really they were they were great though the um showrunners I think season one and two perhaps were like were less engaged but in season three when we just did they were really engaged and so we had a, had a whole conversation with them before we even started the third season to be like what's coming and how can we sort of build on it and all that sort of thing what can I bring mm. to it so um yeah and I think they're pretty open to suggestions a lot of the time yeah that's so all
1: right. that's great. yeah
2: because it's such a big cast I think they're actually quite mm. grateful because yeah. they can't decide everything it's like well we're gonna yeah, have to just yeah. do that and then they can decide what they want to do with it. so they're not too precious because also this is not one of those shows where they've written it like year months or years in advance and they're like wedded to their characters and they like know the characters intimately because they have to kind of crank it out pretty quick Mm-hmm. it means that if you can bring a bit more life to it, I think they're quite grateful. Um, yeah. You can bring some kind of nuance. So yeah, yeah it's it's that's been great so for that reason. Yeah, for that, in it. that way.
1: I just want to be a fly on the wall and see how it works in a day. Yeah,
2: like, it's boring.
1: What is it? Is it boring? That's what
2: you'd probably come <laughs> away with. Because it's like, you know, you spend like 90% as an actor anyway, the, the crew work way harder than the actors. Um, that's just like inevitable the director works insanely hard and so do the camera camera crew and everything but the actors basically we spend 90% of the time just sitting around because you're just waiting aren't you just to like waiting to be called and then you go on the set and you like do a little bit and then they're like right we're going to turn everything around you go and sit down again for 20 minutes and then you come back and do a little bit again so they get the key about screen acting really is to sustain energy that's the key isn't it because it's so easy to just be like especially if you're doing something emotional or something, then you have then the challenge is to how to sort of bring that out when you have to just stop for ages and then go again. On stage, is, I've found mm-hmm. way easier to be like passionate and emotional and whatever because you are telling the whole story from start to end as well. So you can kind of feel where you are and you're sort of like exactly. flowing along with it. Yeah. On screen, you kind of have mm-hmm. to go moment by moment. And it's like, how do you then keep that energy out when you've got to do the same thing like 20 times? Um, and I mm-hmm. found that really difficult <sighs> at times. But I But then equally, it's also... yeah Yeah. but i was gonna say equally it's also exciting because you can you can discover something new each each take and you never know what's going to happen and then sometimes you'll discover something that's really interesting and then they end up using it and you're like well i wasn't even planning that and that's also what you know happens on stage as well Mm. but on screen you can capture it and then you can use it um but yeah it's mainly i'd say if you came and visited a set for a day depends obviously depends what set but Mm -hmm. um for the most part it's just a lot of sort of like people like muttering and like and like everything is sort of dark and there's just people sort of sitting around you are like what's actually happening here and then every every sort of half an <laughs> hour there'll be like an explosion of stuff going on and then i will like a oh, cool cut and suddenly it goes back to just people like and that sort of thing again oh, but wow,
1: that...
2: but it is exciting watching the monitors i will, it's always exciting watching when you go and sit behind and watch the monitors yeah. to see what's happening because suddenly it looks like so cool yeah
0: but um
2: wow. and it's awesome working on like sets that are all built like specifically for that thing it, they're amazing mm. the actual level of detail on this show is
1: insane
2: mm. um so yeah the set dresses and yeah, they are whatever i mean yeah. amazing yeah
0: yeah i suppose it's uh, quite it's interesting cool. as well because the sets it's set on a train yeah. so they're, they're mm. they must be quite like small in terms of narrow
2: yeah they um, are fairly na- yeah that so once you get be, on them you, yeah um you can kind of feel like you know you could be on a well very big and very weird looking train but still you could be (laughs) on one and they are kind of pretty mobile normally so they can be like rocked and stuff to make that give you that Mm. movement um but they're designed brilliantly they're incredible The level of detail like i said just go into one it's like wow it looks like someone's been living in like there for like Mm. years and years and obviously that's the aim but it's really impressive when you see it the minute details that they put in Mm. It's, it's insane
0: So yeah, I'd love to ask you about like finding your own creativity outside of a creative job, yeah. because obviously you have your music, and I just like that is, is so important because it I've learned this year myself that it's really important to have hobbies, but it's yeah. more difficult to have hobbies when your job and your work is something creative, and that is often something that other people would choose to have as a hobby, like I've definitely found with yeah. music. That the lines have become really, really blurred. um yeah, what you mean with like work and fun, and yeah, I just wondered like, what's your view on fostering your creativity and still creating music for yourself, and maybe creating um, theater and other pieces of, of of acting for yourself outside of your work.
2: Yeah, that's one thing I my very first job, which was the theater job in Chichester. Um, I met loads of cool actors there. And one of them was Ollie Chris. And he's this sort of like a, a wicked uh, British actor. One of the things he said to me, because well, I was my very first job, he was like, whatever you do, make sure you have a second passion. He was like, have another mm. passion. Don't wow. like, don't have all of your happiness coming from this because it won't fulfill you. You need to have something else that's fulfilling you so that you can give this everything without feeling the need for anything back. And I thought that was really wise mm. because I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Mm. Like, Um, if I'm happy in my life and I'm being fulfilled and everything else I'm doing, then it means I don't need this to be like everything to me. And I think if it was, well, I felt sometimes that it maybe is and that's when I get like depressed or whatever down because it's like drains you, doesn't it? Mm. So yeah, that's the, that's the sort of, that is the That is the, uh, the challenge, I guess, as well. I mean, I said to you before, I'm quite, I'm quite in that respect, I'm quite good because I have a lot of interests. So like Mm. when I'm in Canada, for example, I do a lot of like hiking and cycling and, skiing and stuff like that because I love the outdoors and I love like getting out and about so, so that's been a like be way of the best
1: place you could be for that. yeah exactly
2: <laughs> it's amazing isn't it so that's oh been God. like a, a great thing and in terms of but in terms of creativity yeah I mean the difference I guess between what you're talking about uh and what I do I'm I have done is that the the like the work the acting thing is is kind of like I said before it's not your own It's not your Mm. own creation. I mean, obviously, I mean, yes, you can create the character and stuff, but you're still interpreting Mm. what someone else has given you. So in that Mm. sense, it's like, um, it is a a creative thing, but it's not like my own, you know? Um, But I mean, I do love that aspect of it. I love love being able to work on it and build something and grow something. Um, But what I found is that I can perhaps find more creative fulfillment outside of, at least with Snowpiercer, because I spend most of my time not doing it like I said to you I have so many I had so many days and weeks when I wasn't on set so I had to find other things to keep me keep mm. me going and that's one thing like yeah. I, I touched on in that email before about how to maintain that creativity because I've often mm. felt like when I'm doing this job and it's sort of it's gone on for years and everything and it's like been an amazing thing but equally I felt like am I sort of being sort of uh diluted as an artist because I just have this work that's there I haven't had like a, a thing that's driving me forwards to create stuff because I'm doing this Mm -hmm. thing I know I'm gonna get another script next week or whatever so I was like I I have felt in the past few years that perhaps my creativity is being like dimmed a little bit I'm like oh man that's why you know the music's great because Mm -hmm. I can sit. everything every time I've gone there I've got I've made sure I have a piano in the place I'm staying so I can just like try and play stuff and create stuff I really do want to do and have always wanted to do make that more of a thing in terms of music and getting stuff out there but then again it's like that's not really what's important. I do not need to get stuff out. It's just about like having a an outlet, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, staying, I've been, I've been trying to like, done all sorts of things over the past few years that have just ma- maintained that sort of creativity. I have really wanted to try and write something for a while. I haven't mm-hmm. really sort of got into it yet, but it's just been like, I've got a load of ideas that are written down. I started writing like little poem, poems and stuff like that. I got a little poetry collection going. Um, mm-hmm. I like, okay. uh, I like drawing as well. So like I've done um, like, when I, whenever there's like a big birthday coming up I tend to like or an anniversary or something I'll like make a card and that tends to take a few days or whatever so that's quite fun um and one thing I started doing during uh the pandemic when I was in quarantine when I went to Canada this time was I started painting little little figurines you know little models which um, kept me really? sort of like again it was like a little sort of creative thing which kept me going <laughs> yeah um yeah. and uh yeah there's just various ways isn't there of like staying sort of that mm-hmm. excitement and one thing we did yeah. me and my family did during the first lockdown in 2020 when I when I came back from Canada from season two straight into like lockdown here um we wrote and well I yeah, I wrote a song for my brother's birthday and then we made a music video out of it and that was so funny and oh, we then fun. we did, a, we did a, yeah and we did another <laughs> one for my grandparents both the, both of them had their 80th birthday mm-hmm. so we did another one for that um and they are um South African Indian so there's this kind of like Indian element so we did like a Bollywood themed like song it was so funny
1: we oh, did like a whole man.
2: dance we did like a previous like a scene prior to it that was all like overly melodramatic and stuff so that sort of thing <laughs> was just like and honestly that's that's the sort of the real joy isn't it of like yeah. there's no no reason to do it other than because it's like so much fun and you're just yes. trying to like make, make someone smile so those things were actually so fulfilling when I did them it was mm-hmm. like, it wasn't for any sort of work related purpose. It wasn't to try and make mm-hmm. any money. It wasn't trying to like, make people notice me or anything. And I think mm-hmm. that's where I find my creativity can be a little bit shot when I'm trying to come at things from an angle that's saying, who's gonna wanna like read this? Who's gonna wanna listen to this? Like who's uh-huh. this for rather than yeah. just being because it's just an expression of what I wanna do or, or whatever. Mm-hmm.
1: any words of wisdom for maybe young actors who are i'm definitely going to encourage my screen acting students to listen to your conversation but like for young actors or um p- create just creative people in general who yeah have listened to this is there any wisdom that you've learned along the way that you think would benefit um
2: them? <laughs> i might be like just just chase the dream you know don't stop no i'm not gonna <laughs> yeah. say that um any yeah, words you of yourself. wisdom well because i mean someone said to me something once about like you know i think or maybe i heard it somewhere where it was like if it's not like you know if you can do if you, if you can do anything else do it that's what i think someone said once but i don't think i particularly agree with that because obviously there's an element of loving this stuff and doing because you just want to do it not because you have yeah. to or it's like you're like you're gonna die if you don't i don't know my words of wisdom i mean i should have thought about this before really um <laughs>
1: we should warn people that we're gonna ask <laughs> I should have looked for that I should listen to the it very in end the, in the pre- you it pre- pre- yeah. yeah
2: well I guess you know like we were talking about I think the main things to con- to like think about and this is what I've said to people when I've spoken to people before is basically just trying to lose yourself because it can be easy to if like whether you're feeling like I said before jaded or feeling marginalized or feeling sort of separate from the conversation or whether you're starting to feel like the world is in love with you then it's very easy to kind of it's both sides of the ego, isn't it? It's like I am nobody or I'm everything. I think that's within these industries it's very very easy right, to very... to go either way so I think I think why well, I remember saying to one of my mates when he because he ran me up once and spoke to me when he got a part in a TV show um I was like, yeah, remember you have a voice, remember who you are, keep yourself grounded, and like keep your real friends and family close to you because you know they're the ones who will always tell you the truth and that's one thing which is so hard mm-hmm. to. To really get, mm. I think, in this industry and in, in most of these industries is the truth, is to really feel that people are telling the truth and are honest. Um, yeah. So that's probably why I say, yeah. Mm.
1: That is amazing. Mm. I, I think yeah, that's so true. Both mm. sides I don't know where that came ego. from. What you're either that? nobody or you're like the superstar. That's <laughs> uh, yeah. so true.
2: Yeah. <gasps> what uh, a delicate well,
1: balance. Well, yeah. <laughs> well done, <Seth>. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, well, I wasn't, well, obviously, so I honestly, wasn't planning that. that. But that was, yeah, managed to pluck that one out. Right. That was but that is, I think brilliant. that is basically what I said before. So, yeah, fair enough. But, yeah, well, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. yeah. I'll, leave, I'll leave you with that.
1: <laughs> thank you so much yeah. for sharing your story with us today. Yeah. Thanks so, yeah really thank nice. thanks so much for chatting. It's been really nice. It's been amazing. Yeah. All the best. Thanks, you good too. Good yeah. Match, I'll be
2: keeping uh, in touch with your, your podcast in the future. So, I'll hear the rest definitely. of the conversations, I'm sure.
1: Thank you so much for listening to today's episode.
0: We'd really appreciate it if you would take the time to subscribe to our podcast and review the episode so that more people can find us in the future. Your comments help us pop up on people's suggested podcasts, helping our artists' stories reach a wider audience.
1: Podcasts are best shared by word of mouth, so if you know people who might enjoy this episode or the artwork podcast as a whole, we would love it if you
0: told them all about it. And if you'd like to be a part of the Artwork Conversation, we would love to invite you to join our Artwork Community Facebook group, where you can connect with the artists we've featured on the podcast and share your art with a like-minded community. You can find the link in the show notes, as well as all the links to today's artists. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at art.workconversation. And stay tuned for our next inspiring episode.
1: Bye! Bye! Ooh.